Gotham City is in peril. Gangsters control the entire city, and psychotic enforcer Jack Napier is the most dangerous one of all. A chance encounter with a winged vigilante known as Batman transforms Jack into a vicious psychopathic clown who now calls himself the Joker. With a new arch enemy poised to take over the city, it's up to the Dark Knight himself to stop him in the 1989 superhero classic, Batman. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Colton Jenkins. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. I'm joined today by one of the newest Filmgasm contributors and guest host, Colton Jenkins, who is here to help me dig into a film that is responsible for so much that came after it, Tim Burton's Batman. So what is your history with this film? Uh, my dad. So this is also my dad's favorite Batman movie. Um, so he showed it to me a long time ago when I was like eight years old. Don't remember any of it. And then um, I've watched it a couple times here and there and bits and pieces. But every time I watch it, I, I, I always go back and forth between, oh, Heath Ledger's the best Joker. And then I watch this movie and I'm like, fuck no, it's definitely Jack Nicholson. Every time I watch it, I, oh, I'm always reminded of just how amazing he is as the Joker. And then honestly, uh Val Kilmer as Batman is just perfect. I don't know. I like it. No, no not Val Kilmer. No. Yes. No. Michael oh. Keaton. Michael Keaton. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. There's a lot of Batmans out there. I but... called him Vince Vaughn earlier, so that's a step up. <laughs> I feel like if you combine Vince Vaughn and Val Kilmer, you'd get somebody who kind of looks like Michael Keaton. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is a this is a classic that I feel the Dark Knight trilogy, Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, has kind of you know completely eclipsed. And I've met people who've said like their thoughts on this film have changed because of that film. And I'm like, well, why? Why should that? Why should yeah. that change? <laughs> you can like both; it's not mutually exclusive. You definitely can, and I, I kind of want to talk about that a little later. Yeah, for sure. Um. This has been a film that's been kind of around my life forever. My my family used to do this uh, kind of like videotape of the month club in the 90s. And this is one of the, I think this is one of the tapes they got because I remember there being like a weird stamp on the case that I had. It's a weird detail. <laughs> but um, I had the original four Batman films on tape, you know, Batman Returns Forever and Robin. And I would just cycle through those as a kid. I loved all four of those movies. I am not ashamed to say I still love all four of those movies for their, for different reasons. Of course. <laughs> and I just, I've, this is comfort food to me. I, I adore this film. I'm excited to include it in our podcast, Batman Week. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to get into it because the journey of getting this thing onto the big screen was kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, yeah, no. Nobody really, like, like every step this film took, every, somebody was against it. And uh, it's got a cool story. So let's get into that story. Yeah. Um, so after the campy TV show in the 60s with Adam West and the subsequent movie, Batman's popularity was at an all-time low. Everyone, you know, <laughs> that 
Adam West really changed what people thought of as Batman. It's this like goofy, campy, B-list superhero who talked in puns, fought goofy villains like the Penguin who used like, you know, robot explodey penguins and the Riddler who was always like attacking you with a, with a puzzle. <laughs> it's like, how do you take these guys seriously? Bat shark spray or bat, bat shark repellent. Oh, beautiful. I will never forget that. When I, when I watched the Batman 66 movie, I, at the time, I didn't know it was going to be that goofy. Because this was my bat, like Keaton was my Batman growing up. So I was like, oh, this is just another cool Batman movie. I started watching it and I'm like, what, what is this? And as soon as he whipped out the shark repellent, I'm like, I'm not going to watch the rest of this. It took another 15 years for me to sit down and watch the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So with that in mind, uh, producer Michael Uslin uh, was kind of the guy behind kind of reshaping the cinematic experience with Batman. He pitched a darker, more comic accurate Batman to Warner brothers who had gotten decent success with the Superman film franchise and they bought the project. So DC and Warner brothers weren't always so intertwined. They had to pitch Batman to a few studios. Universal said no, which I bet they are kicking themselves now. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, they, they got a studio Batman <laughs> Batman Begins. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to the success of 1985's Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Tim Burton was hired to direct Batman after a lengthy director's search that included Wes Craven, Ivan Reitman, Joe Dante, and others. So many directors turned this down. Could you imagine a Wes Craven Batman movie? Oh, my God. (laughs) That would be... I don't know if that would be, like, nightmare fuel or just... I don't know. Well, f- for a recent podcast, I marathoned most of uh, Wes Craven's work. Mm-hmm. And I watched a drama he did in the 90s called Music of the Heart, where like Meryl Streep plays an inner city music teacher trying to help kids learn the violin. And I'm like, Craven's <laughs> got range. We didn't get to see it a lot, okay. but he had range. So maybe he could have brought something, something different to Batman. Or it could have just been a psycho, crazy-ass Joker and just wild. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I know Ivan Reitman wanted to make a comedy one with, like, Chevy Chase as Batman and, like, just... (laughs) Oh, wow. The weird thing is, I was looking in the trivia, all the different directors who pitched this, they were pitching their cast. Every single one of them had Michael J. Fox as Robin. (laughs) Okay. Like, everybody (laughs) wanted him. And then they ended up cutting him out of the movie anyway, so there was no Robin. But... If Michael J. Fox had said yes, we wouldn't have gotten back to the future two and three. So I, I think it worked out for them. <laughs> glad he glad it didn't work out because Back to the Future 2 is and three phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. So Tim Burton got hired, and this was only his third film following Pee-Wee, which is such a weird movie, and Beetlejuice. Like, you look at those two films, I don't think, like, oh, Batman, obviously. Next step. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know Beetlejuice was before Batman. Yeah. Michael Keaton worked with Burton there, and then the, the producer pitched Michael Keaton. Burton's like, I remember him. Sure, let's, I'll work with him again. Hmm. All uh, right, cool. Yeah. Be- I love, Be- Beetlejuice is one of my all-time favorite movies. I love that movie. Uh They've been talking about a sequel for so long. 
they, they almost made one in the 90s called Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. <laughs> oh, no. Exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> the Deeses go to Hawaii. Beetlejuice follows them. And yeah, oh, he said no, God. so they didn't make it. <laughs> well, I think that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, with Burton kind of hard up for a winning project now and Keaton like at the top of the A-list again, Beetlejuice 2 talks are back on, so maybe it'll happen. I kind of hope it doesn't. I don't think we need one. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I will never understand pop culture's fascination with Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Dude, I, I, don't, I don't know. He's, I tried when the, I don't want to say new one because it's not that new, but when it came out on Netflix, I was like, oh, Pee Wee, boy, I can't wait. And then five minutes in, I was like, this was a mistake. <laughs> I hate the concept of like man child so much. It's so irritating. Yep. So do you like SpongeBob? Oh, I do. I do like SpongeBob. I think I feel like it's different though when it's a real human. Oh, it's very different. I've never really considered like I never put age to SpongeBob. I feel, I always figured he's like six or seven, even though he has a job and house. But with a human being, it's a completely different animal because like Pee Wee Herman is just creepy. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Weird thing is the movie came before the TV show, which means the movie was so influential. They're like Pee Wee Herman needs to be everywhere. <laughs> you imagine Pee Wee Herman playing Batman? I'm honest. Oh, Paul Rubens was in Batman Returns, so he played um, Penguin's dad at the beginning. So he did get into these movies. Oh, wow, very cool. <laughs> I think you know '80s Paul Rubens. It might have made a pretty decent Joker. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Uh, so Burton would obviously go on to become a household name, particularly when it came to dark fantasy. Some of his other films include Edward Scissorhands, Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow, Ed Wood, Big Fish, Sweeney Todd, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He's been nominated for two Oscars, both for Best Animated Film for the movies Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie. And, and Burton's one of those guys whose work speaks for itself at this point. You can, you can tell a Burton film like that. And uh, I love the guy. I think he, like I said, I think he's in desperate need of, of a hit, but... His early work is beautiful. I didn't know that he, I always thought that he made a nightmare before Christmas, but then I saw that he, was it, was it, he wrote it? He didn't, he didn't make it, but he, he did something to it or he created it. It was his idea, something like that. He had a, yeah, he came up with the story and the characters and uh, like he uh, oversaw like production of the creatures and everything. So it definitely feels like a Tim Burton movie, but technically speaking, it's not. But it's the film most people associate with him, which I find yeah. ironic. Um, the search for Bruce Wayne was also considerably lengthy. Some of the actors uh, seriously considered were Mel Gibson, Kevin oh. Costner, Charlie Sheen, oh. Tom Selleck, Bill Murray, oh, Dennis oh, no. Quaid, Pierce Brosnan, and Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, maybe. I could maybe see. 80s Ford, perhaps, but then we don't get Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. Yeah. I, you know what? I can see 80s Mel Gibson as Batman. I can, I can see that. I can see it. I don't know if I like it, but I can see it. 
I certainly don't see Charlie Sheen, who was like, what, 22 oh. at the time? God. <laughs> and Tom Selleck wouldn't have shaved the mustache, so he was the no from the very start. Of course. <laughs> uh, I know Pierce Brosnan turned it down because he didn't consider superheroes to be intimidating in the slightest. He said, like, anybody who wears their underwear on the outside is not to be taken seriously. And he's going <laughs> to play Dr. Fate in the Black Adam movie. So what do you have to say now, Pierce? Is he really? Yeah. Oh, well, Dr. Fate doesn't wear underwear on the outside of his pants. He does wear a, a, a weird helmet, right? Is that, is that Dr. Fate? I'm pretty sure it's Dr. Fate. Yeah, it's him. Yeah. yeah. It's like a helmet with this, the soul of some like powerful sorcerer god or something. It's a weird character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Producer John Peters suggested Michael Keaton, who Burton had just worked with on Beetlejuice. Keaton ultimately won the role, reprised it in the 1992 sequel, Batman Returns. And everybody, all the fans were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Michael Keaton, are you kidding me? Like, this was really? insane. Like, the, the backlash was crazy. They were flooded. Warner Brothers was flooded with letters. There was a petition. Like, he's, you know, not hashtag not my Batman. Like, that shit exploded in the late 80s. It was crazy. Well, come and- on. Well, <laughs> after Adam West, anything is a step up, I feel like. So. Well, I guess they figured because Michael Keaton at that point was known mostly for comedies like Night Shift and Mr. Mom. And okay. like they were like, really, that guy? It's just more campy Batman. That's, I guess that's what they thought. And then they saw the movie and they're like, oh, OK. <laughs> I, um, this might be controversial, but I, I still think this movie is campy. It's pretty campy, but it's, it's pretty campy. But it's endearing. It's not like it still respects Batman. I feel like the 60s oh, yeah. movie was like, you don't even know this fucking character. <laughs> but Burton, despite not really reading any comic books, he, he got it. Oh, yeah. So Keaton was nominated for an Oscar for his role in 2014's Birdman, which pretty much revitalized his career. Uh, he's been in such films as Night Shift, Johnny Dangerously, hilarious movie, Pacific Heights, Jackie Brown, Spotlight, the founder, the trial of the Chicago Seven, and Spider-Man Homecoming as the Vulture. Keaton is set to reprise his role as Batman in the upcoming DC films The Flash and Batgirl, both set for a fall 2022 release. So Keaton's coming back. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. They, are, they uh, doing, are they doing like a, like, a, like a multiverse thing like Marvel's doing now? <laughs> Funnily enough, the Flash movie had, like this has been planned for quite some time. But Marvel got there first, and now it's going to look like DC's piggybacking off them again. <laughs> uh, but they have been planning a multiversal Flash movie. They got Michael Keaton to return. Uh, ben Affleck is also going to be doing Batman one last time. And then Keaton is going to be their Batman going forward. He signed on for like eight or nine projects. So he's back for good. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Very excited. He's, he's my personal favorite live action Batman. Oh, yeah. Do you like uh, Ben Affleck? Hey, I wanted to like Ben Affleck. I feel like we never got enough to like get to know him. Yeah. Yeah. He never really got his own movie. I feel like the writing was shit. Well, <clears throat> but it was, in it was the right hands, he could have been amazing. I'm excited for Robert, uh, Robert Pattinson. I wasn't at first, but then I, like when he was announced, I had only ever seen Harry Potter and Twilight. But then after that, I watched the lighthouse good time and then another movie he was in and i was like oh my god this is gonna be great 
Yeah, I was right there with you. I was like, we just had the Ben Affleck backlash. Are you really going to do this to us again? And then I watched The Lighthouse, and I'm like, this guy's going to be fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I've got my tickets for opening night. I'm, we're doing this whole fucking Batman thing. Like, th- this is important to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's uh, three hours long. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, my God. It's 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 everything I've, I want from a Batman movie. It's super long. The tone is perfect. Yep. All the acting's out. Like, all the ca- casting is outside the box. The score is amazing. Oh, I can't wait. Um. Into the rest of the cast, Oscar winner Jack Nicholson was cast as the Joker, a role he considered to be one of his all-time favorites. Nicholson has always been a huge comic book fan, and Joker was his favorite character. Uh, that's oh, not you don't say. Yeah, he, he still negotiated the absolute shit out of his contract and scored maybe the most lucrative deal in film history for this. Not only did he get like upfront like thirty million dollars. He got a percentage point of the gross, which, which added up to $60 million. And then he also managed to get uh, a percentage of the merchandise. So he is still getting residual checks from this movie to this day for Batman merchandise. Shit. He could have retired in 89 and just lived off Batman shit for the rest of his life. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I think they put like a, they made a, a stipulation in contracts going forward so that shit could never happen again. <laughs> ah, so Nicholson has won three Oscars in his career for his performances in 1975's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, 1983's Terms of Endearment, 1997's As Good As It Gets. He was also nominated for his performances in Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, The Last Detail, Chinatown, Reds, Pritzi's Honor, Ironweed, A Few Good Men, and About Schmidt. He's considered one of the greatest actors of all time. He retired in 2010, and I absolutely adore this dude. He is a fucking rock star. He's like an asshole in all the best ways, and he kills it in every performance he gives, and he is one of the best guys to ever play the Joker. Oh, yeah, and yeah, of course, because he he fits that role so well. He, he, he plays like psychopath. Perfect. And then uh, I, I, I want to talk about that later, like when we actually get into like talking about the Joker, because I feel like it's going to come up <laughs> and just why I like Jack Nicholson more than I like Heath Ledger. But yeah, perfect. Yeah, for sure. He his his skill at playing psychos is amazing. There was a I was watching a behind the scenes thing on The Shining and he um, like it was about his like process, like to get psyched up to play Jack Torrance. He plays a lot of characters named Jack, by the way. I wonder if that's because he just doesn't remember his characters' names. Um. <laughs> I could see that. It's like, no, no, Jack, your character's name is Harry. It's like, no, I, I wanted to be Jack. <laughs> like, I respond to only one name, sweet cakes. It's Jack. <laughs> I can see him saying that to somebody. <laughs> yep. Um, but he was talking about his process, and I saw... Um, a shot from the movie. It was, a, it was the scene where he, um, he gets locked in the pantry and he's like taunting Wendy and he's like cackling and laughing and like freaking out. Kubrick yells cut. He immediately comes back up and is like, was that good? Like completely disappears. <laughs> and he's back to Jack Nicholson. He's like, how's that? Can we, we can do another one if you want. Like just super chill guy. And I was like, how, how do you do that? It's amazing. That is terrifying. 
There's so many people in his head. I wouldn't be surprised if he like met a psychiatrist. And after that meeting, the psychiatrist had to like retire. He's like, no, I can't. I can't do it anymore. This is the craziest person I've ever met in my life. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'd be like, yeah, that's on par for the course. <laughs> you can tell me any story about Jack Nicholson. I will believe it. Yes. Like, this is a guy who I feel like has done everything. And, oh, yeah. you know, fuck the consequences. Exactly. <laughs> there was Jack Nicholson. He fought a polar bear barehanded. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> that was more prep for five easy pieces. Oh, yeah. Okay. I got you. <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting that so many actors have like had severe like mental breaks because of playing the Joker. Like, you know, Heath Ledger had some issues with it. Joaquin Phoenix went to a dark place. And then here's Jack just being Jack. Like, because he's, phases already, he's already a psychopath. He has nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah, dude's already certified, so why not? <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, Oscar winner Kim Basinger was cast as Vicki Vale, fearless photographer and journalist who wants to unmask Batman. Basinger won her Oscar for her performance in 1997's L.A. Confidential. Has also appeared in such films as Never Say Never Again, Nine and a Half Weeks, Cool World, Wayne's World 2, and The Nice Guys. Uh, I like her character. My one real beef with the movie is how incredibly fast that love story was. I, um, I was writing notes while uh, watching the movie, and the first note I wrote about her character is very horny just right out of the gate. Like, as soon as we meet her character, she's like, I like bats. <laughs> like, dude, calm down. <laughs> she and Bruce, like, they sleep together on the first date. Like, that's cool, you know, whatever, to each their own. But, like, she's clearly drunk. <laughs> yes. And he's not. So that hasn't aged all too well. And he's known this, he's known this lady for, like, what, a few days, and now she's in the fucking Batcave? Yes, and he also knows that that other, I mean, I, I hate the other guy, Knox. I hate him so much. But, like, he knows that he's interested, and he's like, oh, fuck all that. I think it's a little fucked up that the way we are introduced to her is Knox going, hello, legs. <laughs> I know, it's awful. <laughs> oh, man. And then there's a scene where she's with Batman, not Bruce Wayne, with Batman. And then he's like, there's only one thing I want from you. And then the screen cuts to black. And then she wakes up in bed face down. Like, I forgot that he took the film from her. But I was like, holy shit. That looks really bad. Whoever edited this did that on purpose. 100%. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. That's, that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> <sighs> I really hate how she is constantly screaming. Like, yes. Ridiculous. Like over the top screaming the whole movie. <sighs> I'm watching it. Julie's listening from the other room. And all I hear is who the fuck is screaming? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question uh at least in the second one catwoman got to be like a fully fleshed out character not just somebody batman had to keep saving oh yeah 100 robert wool plays alexander knox maybe the most useless character in the entire <laughs> batman franchise and i am including robin in that in that sentence um he's vale's partner he's an office joke because he's the only person in 
the, I don't know, Gotham Gazette or whatever the fuck, who believes in Batman. Uh, Which I'm going to call bullshit on. (laughs) (laughs) Because every criminal in the city is like, holy shit, there's a giant bat and he's hunting us down. And everyone's like, nah, you're full of shit. Are you kidding me? Every criminal is saying. There's been like nine attacks, a couple (laughs) fucking deaths. This Batman doesn't give a shit about not killing people, which has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but it works for the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the, the cops know, like it's it's not far-fetched. I mean, is it is it a giant bat? Probably not, but a dude in a bat costume is not that far-fetched for Gotham City. Let's let's give Knox a break. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, Robert Wool was also in Good Morning Vietnam, Bull Durham, Good Burger, and the TV series Arliss. Uh, he's also co-written material for four different Academy Award ceremonies. He won two Emmys for that, which is pretty cool. I didn't know you could win Emmys for the Oscars. Pretty cool. Hmm. Um, he also played Alexander Knox again in CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, where they had a whole bunch of DC multiverse shit pop in, and he was the representative from the Batman movies because Michael Keaton's too expensive. And nobody knows where Kim Basinger is. And Jack's retired. So Knox. <laughs> I know this is this is off off track, but uh, how do you feel about the CW Flash show and all a, their DC shows? I was a huge fan for a while and it just turned into the same shit every time. I just got so tired of, you know, I'm not fast enough to beat him. Don't worry, Barry. After this pep talk in a hallway, you're going to be fine. He fights him again. I did it. Tease for the next episode. Somehow they can't defeat the big bad for 20 episodes. Yep. Yeah. And- I, I watched like maybe halfway through the first season just because um, I know this is also probably controversial, especially on your on a Batman episode, but I'm not a huge fan of DC. The only reason is because I feel like with superheroes, it's important to be somewhat relatable and <laughs> yeah. complete to be completely honest. I feel like if most DC superheroes saw someone getting beat up on the side of the street, they'll be like, fuck that. I got to go deal with a god that's trying to blow up the galaxy. But I feel like Mar- a Marvel superhero would, would for sure help. But yeah. And then I, I, I saw a video uh, of a scene from The Flash and um, it was Barry Allen and Reverse Flash. And they were trying to catch a motorcycle. And this is the the flash and they couldn't catch a motorcycle yeah. and i was like wow i'm glad i don't watch that anymore that tracks the worst thing is the first i stuck with the flash for about six seasons mm. and the first three are really good reverse flash is done so well they the way they did grod was really cool mm. but eventually they all turn into cw sob stories and I just can't do that anymore. It's it's pointless. And they've also kind of exhausted the Flash's rogues gallery because they've got some D-list villains going up now in their, like, eighth season. Uh, it's Yeah, I, I stuck through all of Arrow. I gave up on the rest of them a couple years ago. If they end eventually, maybe I'll go back and just finish it off for completion's sake. But right now, I'm not in any hurry. Um. Oscar winner Jack Palance plays crime boss Carl Grisham. Palance won his Oscar for his performance in 1991 City Slickers. He was also nominated for his performances in Sudden Fear and Shane. 
He's also in Young Guns, Tango and Cash, and a string of 50s and 60s Westerns. Uh, he died in 2006 at 87 years old from pancreatic cancer. And he is an overactor, if there ever was one. Holy shit. <laughs> You're like my number guy. one guy. Like just <laughs> yes. Oh, man. He's ridiculous. Uh, but I guess he's got to be larger than life to have, you know, the Joker be his enforcer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, I've seen City Slickers. Jack did not deserve that Oscar. That movie is fucking terrible. And he is in it for like three minutes. This was a you're old and we didn't give you anything in the 60s. So here's an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's pretty good as Carl Grisham. Uh, you know, the brief scenes we get with him. I believe this guy's a Gotham mob boss. And it's oh. satisfying to see Joker shoot his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, character actor Pat Hingle plays Commissioner Gordon, a role he would reprise in the next three Batman films. Hingle was also in The Quick and the Dead, Hang 'em High, Norma Ray, Sudden Impact, Brewster's Millions, Maximum Overdrive, and Talladega Nights. Hingle died in 2009 at 84 years old from complications due to myelodysplasia. And uh, I don't know, no disrespect, he is the worst Commissioner Gordon we've ever had. Oh, yes. I don't think there could be a better Commissioner Gordon than Gary Oldman. I don't. He, I think he's perfect as Commissioner Gordon, honestly. He's perfect. Jeffrey Wright might might surpass him, but, you know, we'll see. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. I forgot that he was playing. I love Jeffrey Wright. Again, I feel like that's another, I don't want to say perfect, perfect casting yet, but Jeffrey Wright always plays the smart, like, genius characters. Like, his character in Westworld was great, but he he... And then uh, he was in Hunger Games Part Two. He oh, he plays like this smart person so well. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited. He's my favorite Felix Leiter in the Daniel Craig Bond films. He uh, you know kind of James Bond CIA equivalent. And he they had great chemistry. I think Jeffrey Wright's a cool guy and a good out like outside the box casting for Gordon. But these movies do nothing with Gordon. He's no. just there to explain like this is the crime that I failed to stop Batman. What can you do? Yeah, but from what I, I and I, I've said this, I, I haven't read a lot of the Batman comic books, but Commissioner Gordon is a huge part of Batman's story, like especially with his daughter becoming like Batman's to quote Spider-Man homecoming. It's, she becomes Batman's guy in the chair, like <laughs> at, least, at least in the game she is. But yeah, Commissioner Gordon is a huge part. Of Batman. Yeah, Bar- Barbara Gordon's a character we've never gotten to see on the big screen. We saw Barbara Wilson in Batman and Robin. And I don't know what the fuck that was all about, <laughs> but yeah, to see, you know, her become Batgirl and then see Batgirl get shot and then become Oracle. Like, I want to see that story done. Yeah. I do too. I'm kind of, I know everyone is, but I'm done with the whole Batman origin story. I want to see like other characters, origin stories like her, hers is pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, well, we are getting a Batgirl movie later on this year from HBO Max. I did not know that. So maybe that's where we'll get this. Or it might be Barbara Gordon. It might go in a different direction. We, we have yet to really get any information about that, apart from the fact that Brendan Fraser is playing the bad guy. What? Yeah, he's Firefly, who's like a crazy serial arsonist. So this ought to be pretty cool. That's very cool. He hasn't been in, I know he's in Doom Patrol, but he hasn't been in a lot of stuff for a long time. Because didn't he have a whole like, um, 
he had a whole thing, didn't he? Like allegations or something. I don't yeah. know. Here, yeah, I'll lay that out because I, yeah, I, I want this to be on record on this podcast. I know we talked about that on sneak preview, but here I don't think we brought this up. Brendan Fraser, uh, he went through a messy divorce and also was groped by a producer who tried to uh, blackmail Brendan Fraser into sleeping with him. He said no. His career tanked pretty soon after that. Um, oh wow. So- yeah, he's been uh, met with a lot of dark shit that he's had to overcome. And it's only been in the past three or four years that he's been getting like high profile roles again. He got a role in a Steven Soderbergh movie that came out last year. He's working with Scorsese now for his next movie. And the Batgirl thing is, was big for him. And he, he found out like he's got such hardcore legions of fans who want to see him succeed. And he's in a good place now. So, yeah, Brendan Fraser's a rock star. Nothing but respect for the man. And I'm glad he's gone. He's on his way back on top. Yeah, for sure. And in a Scorsese film, that's like that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon. He's working with uh, DiCaprio, De Niro, a couple other big names. Like this is going to be big for him. Yeah, uh, sorry to keep going off track, but I know this is, you know, everyone either hates him or loves him. But Leonardo DiCaprio, I fucking love that guy. I don't know why he w- he won an Oscar for a role that he didn't even sp- he had like a couple lines, and he won an Oscar for that. Leo is a vegan who ate a fucking real horse heart for an Oscar. Good good for you, Leo. (laughs) I, yeah, I have nothing but respect for DiCaprio. He was nearly, uh, he was considered to play Robin at some point. I know that. Um, He turned down the role of Anakin Skywalker in the Star Wars prequels uh, to do the beach for Danny Boyle, which was a fucking terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I, I think Leo's, uh, terrific and yeah, I, what's, I think, I don't know what, the, what he's got going on next. I guess it's that Scorsese film that's next. So, mm. all right, I can wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, Billy D Williams is Harvey Dent district attorney, and he was supposed to transform to two face down the road, but it never happened. Uh, Billy D signed on for this, hoping in a couple movies, he'd get to be two face and, uh, that was supposed to happen in the third movie. And then when Burton left production, they kicked Billy D out, brought in Tommy Lee Jones. And we all know what happened next. Yep. <laughs> uh, Williams is mostly known for his role as rebellion leader, Lando Calrissian in the star Wars franchise. He was also in lady sings the blues Nighthawks, undercover brother and the Lego Batman movie as the voice of two face. Pretty cool that they did that. Hey, that is pretty cool. Okay. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. And they did release a comic book series, I think, uh, started last year, where they continued the story of Tim Burton's Batman universe in the comics. So in that version, Billy D. Williams is Two-Face. That's pretty cool. And yeah, yeah I, I saw that. I was scrolling through Instagram, and I saw like an ad, and I was like, holy shit, they're, that's so cool. Because Tim Burton's Batman universe is, again, one of my favorites, because it fits so well, I feel like. I think a lot of that comes from the uh, production design. You're, you're not quite sure when, like when this takes place. Is it 1940 or is it 1980? Like, I don't, yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. This Gotham city I love because the way it's built is perfect for Batman. Like the skyscrapers have like uh, skywalks going across them. There's like, always construction going on. It is perfect for Batman. It's everywhere. Sense. 
makes way more sense than Joel Schumacher's random like 900 foot Adonis statues just <laughs> placed every 10 feet. <laughs> um, finally, character actor Michael Goff plays Alfred, a role he would reprise in the next three Batman movies. Him and Hingle are the only two mainstays in the first four Batman films. Uh, I guess they needed the work. Goff was also in Top Secret, Horror of Dracula, The Boys from Brazil, Out of Africa, The Serpent and the Rainbow, The Age of Innocence, and Sleepy Hollow. Uh, he died in 2011 at 94 years old from a mixture of pneumonia and prostate cancer. That can't have been fun. No. Uh, and he's, they don't he go well together. No, they do not. He's a good Alfred, though. I like his random bits of wisdom he throws out whenever Batman's feeling insecure or a little crazy. Yes. I always um, mean you talked about this uh, when we watched Batman forever, but I love that scene where he's like, shall I heat the soup up for you, sir? Uh, he's like, I'll get, I'll get drive there. I just, so Michael Caine and this Alfred, I feel like they both play different sides of Alfred. I like how um, this one, he's Bruce Wayne's dad and Michael Caine is Batman's dad is I feel like how I see it. That's great. I love that. <laughs> that's very true. That, that's neat. I like. I really like that. Um, I'm excited to see Andy Serkis play Alfred. Andy Serkis is a fantastic actor, and he has never gotten his props. He's He's been in so many things I, I love. His work as, as Gollum in Lord of the Rings alone. I mean, transformed the very concept of visual effects work and what we can do with that. So he's a pioneer, and I never would have thought like Alfred, but like seeing like the bits from the trailer, I'm like, of course, this makes perfect sense. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And just like you said, of like visual visuals and movies, Smeagol looks like an indie circus. Yeah. Those it's movies crazy. are 20 years old this year oh my God. and it looks seamless. It does. They have not aged in the slightest. They haven't. And then, um, people who say that the Hobbit movies are better than Lord of the Rings. First of all, how dare you? Second of all, just the makeup of the orcs, like they, it's actual makeup and CGI. And I'm not one of those people who are like, Oh, this is better. Cause it's like practical effects. But I feel like with makeup, it makes a huge difference, especially with nasty orcs when like their skin is peeling off. Sorry, I'm not talking about Batman. I keep getting off track. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is what we do. Um, yeah, I, I think the orcs in Lord of the Rings, like the fact that it's real people with real makeup, like you, you, you believe that this is an army that's here to kill. With the Hobbit, like it, they, don't, they don't look real. They look too, too clean. They look too pristine. Yeah. It's like nobody cares. Like this was made for money. Lord of the Rings was made like for a different reason. You can, you can feel it. Uh, Andy Serkis is at the core of one of the freakiest movie scenes I've ever seen in my life. 2005's King Kong. Uh, Peter Jackson did King Kong in 05 and it's like three hours and 20 minutes long it's, it's, it's not great but there's a scene where the characters fall down a little canyon and they end up surrounded by giant ass bugs and Andy Serkis gets eaten by a bunch of slug things that fucking devour his head and wow. I saw that movie when I was 10 and I was like oh my god because I did not expect that <laughs> oh man I like I like that King Kong movie though. I don't know why, but Jack Black 
every time he's in a movie, he surprises me. Like he has good range, surprisingly. He does. It has been so, so long since I saw King Kong. I got to, I think I'm just intimidated because it is like super long. And I'm just like, do I have the time or the patience to watch a monkey for that long? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I watched it um, a couple months ago and I don't know. I wasn't bored. I was like, this, this movie's pretty good. I think I if I just, if I just put it on the show, there's my excuse. Honestly, I don't give a shit what it is. If it's for the show, I'll do the, du- I'll do the due diligence. <laughs> There you go. Um, so despite fan apprehension at Michael Keaton's casting, a fairly inexperienced director in Tim Burton, and a complete tonal shift in what people were used to with Batman, the film was an enormous hit. It was the second highest grossing film of 1989 behind Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, it has an IMDb score of 7.5, Rotten Tomatoes score of 72%. It grossed 411 million on a budget of only 35 million. And that was in the 80s when 400 million was a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> nowadays that's considered a brutal failure for a superhero movie yeah <laughs> I'm looking at you Eternals uh, it won an Oscar for best art direction and set the gold standard for superhero movies going forward it had one sequel in 92 and a full series reboot in 95 uh, so with that let's discuss the film itself uh, so beginning with we got Danny Elfman's theme so, first of all, perfect. Um, I love how they used that soundtrack in the Lego Batman games. Because, <laughs> again, like the Lego Batman games, they get their aesthetic and vibe from these movies. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but I feel like every DC movie should follow this weird sort of Burton-esque vibe because it fits so well. With all the characters. I mean, it is a, uh, I'm going to be honest, Batman is essentially a furry fighting a mentally deranged clown. That's what it is. And like, <laughs> you can, you can make Batman as dark and gritty as you want, but I, I feel like it should always have a slight bit of campiness to it because it just fits so well. I mean, Joker fell in a vat of acid. That is such a Batman thing. I I feel like if I tried to write something like that, I'd have somebody say like, that's, that's nonsensical. Like what (laughs) acid? Are you kidding me? Try something else. Yeah. But it works for this because you're just like, okay, Batman dropped Jack Nicholson in a vat of acid. He comes back a little happier. (laughs) I'll take it. Exactly. (laughs) And Danny Elfman's music just fits the vibe perfectly. And Prince the audacity to make a song titled Bat Dance and have it in a Batman movie? Are you kidding me? Beautiful. The very idea that they they felt they needed to have a soundtrack by Prince. Like, that feels like a full-blown producer interference moment. Like, yep. yeah, it's going great, Tim, but have you considered a pop soundtrack? George Michael and Michael Jackson both said no, but I can get you Prince. And by that, I mean, we're getting you Prince. <laughs> yes. I could I see Tim Burton be like, I don't know. I don't know if I like that. It's like, oh, no, no. There's no discussion. It's happening. Tim Burton was such a novice. Like, this was only his third movie. So many decisions were made behind his back. Like, <laughs> the producers are constantly just telling Tim, like, oh, yeah, this is happening next week. Mm. So prepare for that. I can't imagine that lack of control. I mean, that's just got to suck. <laughs> Probably why he was like, I'm not doing a third movie. Fuck off. 
<laughs> I'm not dealing with you people anymore. No. Uh, I, I happen to like Prince's soundtrack. I think, you know, there's moments in this film like uh, the party man scene where Joker just trashes the museum. It's classic. Yeah. Um, and again, when we start talking about Joker, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on that scene. But yeah, Prince soundtrack. I feel like now whenever um, like a celebrity tries to make a soundtrack or a song for a movie, I always feel like that they're trying to replicate this, but again, it fits with the vibe. Prince, Prince is weird in a good way. And he fits Batman so perfectly. It's one of those lightning in a bottle moments that sounds like an absolute shit idea when you pitch it, but it works. I, I cannot tell you why it works, but it does. Exactly. Sometimes the producers, you know, as full of shit as they are, they they are onto something. Yeah, you know, broken clocks right twice a day. I, I, I get it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. David David Bowie making the soundtrack for Labyrinth and Prince. I, I want to know what it would be like if either David Bowie or Prince played the Joker. But you know, unfortunately, it'll never happen. I remember reading. I think David Bowie was considered. Like they, really? they were thinking about it. I'd watch that. I know that a big name that nearly got there was Tim Curry. Oh, my. That would have been pretty cool. I feel like it, it would have almost hit the mark where Jack uh, Jack Nicholson got. But um, he's weird. Tim, Tim Curry's weird. He's weird, man. I, um, I feel like Tim. the best way I can describe Tim Curry is uncomfortable. Even Even when he played Pennywise, like... It's not scary. It's just uncomfortable. I got two good Tim Curry stories. First one, he is pathologically afraid of clowns. What? And when he was playing Pennywise, his one request was that there are no mirrors in the makeup trailer and around him so he wouldn't accidentally see what he looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Because as somebody who's afraid of clowns, to look into a mirror and see that you are a clown, that's got to break you. (laughs) Oh, man. That's great. My other one is that he was very nearly the Joker in the animated series they did in the 90s. Oh, wow. Uh, He got so close. He recorded some stuff, and the producers had to let him go because they said, like, dude, you are too scary. You're going to freak out these kids. Your Joker is too hardcore for this kind of show. We got to go in a different direction. (laughs) And they chose Mark Hamill, which I think – I don't want to say like as as a performance is probably on the same level as Jack Nicholson because that voice is so iconic and so again uncomfortable to listen to. I'll say it here: the best Batman in all of media is Kevin Conroy, and the best Joker yes. in all of media is Mark Hamill. Yeah. When I think of those characters, those are the voices that I think of first. Exactly. I don't think they could play their characters in live action. But voice work, beautiful, just so good, so good. They they both kind of have played them in live action in the really? CW st- stuff. So they did that Crisis on Infinite Earths thing a couple years ago. Uh, they went to a universe where Kevin Conroy was, was an older Bruce Wayne who had lost his fucking mind, killed Superman, I think, and oh. was just like nuts. And I was like, you got Kevin Conroy to play Batman in live action, and this is what you did with it? You idiots. <laughs> oh, no. And then Mark Hamill has been playing the trickster 
on the flash, which is basically a Joker knockoff without paint. He's got the same voice. <laughs> it's the same character. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. The trickster. There's, there's like the gamester. There's the prankster. Like DC just keeps fucking recycling. It's crazy. There's a, um, there's a uh, ABC family. No, is it ABC family? I don't know. It's, it's one of those fucking channels. Um, they have a sitcom that my mom loves called, um, I think, uh, I think it's called American housewife and Kevin Conroy plays the dad. And anytime he speaks, it is fucking awesome because it, he says like stuff that every dad says, but it's Batman and it's, it's beautiful. He's like, I'll pick up the kids from school. I'm like, fuck yeah, you will Batman. Hell yeah. God, he can never do anything else without no. Batman. It's just such an iconic voice. And it's not even, he's not even putting any like, you know, oomph on it. That's just him. It's just his voice. One of my favorite movies of all time, Napoleon Dynamite. He plays Rex. Perfect. You're going to get boxing lesson, le- lessons from Bruce Wayne immediately. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> I also love how Elfman's music became the music for the cartoon show. Like that's become like yes. the official Batman music to a lot of yes. people. Did um, did Tim Burton have anything to do with that? Because I know, well, because Danny Elfman has made music for Tim Burton's movies before, right? Almost everything. Just... They've yeah. they've worked together for almost everything. Uh, there's a couple projects they didn't do together, but most of Burton's films have been scored by Elfman. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was you know just Burton bringing in his guy. Yeah, but his it guy did. is a fucking genius. Yeah, they go hand in hand. <laughs> yes, they do. Um. So we meet Batman when he's fucking up some criminals after they're like, there's no bat. What are you talking about? And uh, <laughs> uh, the line that Keaton you know, says, the iconic, I'm Batman. That wasn't supposed to be the line. He was supposed to say, I am the knight. And I'm, oh. and Keaton was like, that's bullshit. I'm Batman. I'm going to say so. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I like Michael Keaton as Batman, but when, when he uh, in that scene, he uh, he does the whole fucking cape thing like four times for no other reason than to be like I'm scary. It's beautiful. I agree with you. I love when he does it the first time and they just fucking shoot him. <laughs> yeah, and he just goes down. I'm like, well, they're not afraid of you anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, that's. But the I'm Batman. I feel like him saying that started a trend because every Batman actor after him has their I'm Batman moment. Yep. And personally, I think Christian Bale had the best one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just in the dragging track. Falcone out of a car, be like, I'm Batman. And then headbutting his ass. Yes. So good. <laughs> so good. <sighs> Clooney had the worst one. Oh, yeah. Hi, you freeze. I'm Batman. Like, <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. <laughs> he was already like, I'm Batman in a terrible costume, and I'm standing on a dinosaur. This thing has already gone off the rails. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, speaking of George Clooney's Batman, so yeah. last time I was on the show, um, I made the stupid statement of saying, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's such thing as a bad movie. I'm going to correct that for a second. There are so many bad movies out there, but I don't think there's a movie where I will be in the middle of the movie and be like, no, I can't do this and shut it off. Because even if the movie is terrible, I will always enjoy it and I will continue watching it. Even George Clooney's Batman, because it, it's a horrible movie, but it's so fun. I can't, you can't stop watching it once it's done. It's, 
it's 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 like a train wreck you, you can't stop watching it it's yes. too enjoyable well not enjoyable but like entertaining uh i get it you know i'm just, i love watching arnold schwarzenegger walk around with a fucking frozen cigar i'll <laughs> never get over that that's the funniest shit i've ever seen in bunny slippers and a frozen cigar yes well, there's a man who's getting paid <laughs> um, but yeah i back when um my buddy Caleb and I first started filmgasm.com. We did a, we started as a movie review website. We were like, let's review movies. We disagree with Rotten Tomatoes quite often. What do like I, you know, what I think is a bad movie, other people might not think is a bad movie. So let's do this right. And we made a pact that no matter how shitty a movie is, we got to finish it. I see it through. And I found out he broke that pact fucking hundred times. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm not doing it anymore. So that died. But I still try to maintain that. I've only shut off a couple movies in the past few years. Uh, one of which might win Best Picture this year. So, fuck. What movie? The Power of the Dog. I haven't seen it. I watched 40 minutes of it. I'm like, this is boring as fuck. I've got better things to do. <laughs> uh, but now that it's up for Oscars, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and sit through this thing. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have, have you ever seen Dougal? I have not, but after you talked about it, I put it in our list of potentials for Beyond the Bad. It is the worst movie I've ever seen. It looked really bad. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you for the content. And yes, you should apologize for bringing that movie into my life. <laughs> so Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent is an interesting choice. Uh, and it is a shame we never get to see his story get fully realized, but... With that in mind, why why is he here? If you're not going to have Two Face, or even put him in the sequel, like Harvey Dent's just kind of a shadow that never really comes to fruition here. Yeah, because Harvey Dent, like we were saying with Commissioner Gordon, he's such a big character. But Harvey Dent's only importance is that he becomes Two Face. Pretty much. I mean, even as District Attorney, like in The Dark Knight, you know, we see him work with Batman to. Become you know, be Gotham's white knight. And this one, he just seems like another corrupt politician who doesn't really give a shit about Gotham City. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like, I love this scene where there is a clown saying, "Hey, I, I poisoned makeup," and they're like, "No, we're we're gonna do, we're gonna have the festival still. Yep, we're gonna do it no matter what." I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Dude, the scene when Jack just shows up and kills the guy with the pen, and nobody fucking jumps on him. None of the cops like arrest anybody. They just watch. <laughs> Which that scene I had, I, I was taken aback because he straight up just throws a pen in this dude's neck and the guy immediately dies. Maybe it was poisoned or something. <laughs> I, I think it's funny that like a bunch of mimes are slowly circling this group of people and nobody's like, <laughs> why there's so many mimes? <sighs> like Joker hasn't been active that long. Seeing a bunch of clowns around is not a common occurrence yet. Nope. So I was uh, when I was just watching it, um, I have a peanut butter brain. And for some reason, I thought, I thought that was the festival that they were talking about. And I was like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Mime Fest 89. You, you didn't get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> I do love how the mayor is so determined. He's like, you know, there's a gang war happening. Jack Napier's alive and crazier. They're poisoning people. But we got to have this goddamn festival. Yep. And even um, then, Joker hijacks the festival. I love that. Like, he even takes that away from the mayor. Yep. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, I love Jack's introduction of just this guy in a purple suit 
who's fucking with a deck of cards. It's like, gee, I wonder who he's going to become. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, it's never a good idea to sleep with the boss's wife. It's a nope. terrible, especially if you're in the mob. Oh, yeah. Like, you think Jack would know better. Um, and Grisham's like, you know what, Jack, I'm going to get you for that, Jack. Like, just, <laughs> ah. uh, yeah, the whole opening, like, with, you know, seeing Jack as a gangster and also getting a backstory for the Joker, which is, like, the first time we ever got that. Yeah. Uh, and it works out. Like, I'd, I'd buy this. That's a, that's a good yeah. origin story for the Joker. If you're going to do it, do it this way. The only thing I don't like about it is that I don't like, I don't like the whole Joker killed Batman's parents. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. That's, that's muggy and yeah. distracts from the origin. Yeah. Cause like the whole point is, you know, Joe chill was just some, some asshole. Like mm-hmm. there is no revenge to get Batman's yeah. acts. You know, his, the death of his parents was just an, un, another random violent crime. So all crime is Batman's revenge. Being Batman is the ongoing revenge. But if he gets an, like, if he puts a name to that, to that face and gets him, there's no reason for him to keep being Batman. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, why connect them like that? They already have the, yeah. the connection. You don't need that. It's, it's, it's overkill. Exactly. And then I, I, um, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to sound like one of the, like, uh, again, cause I don't, I don't, read the comics so i don't know the characters as deeply as other people do mm-hmm. but i feel like bruce wayne as far as i'm con- as far as no bruce wayne and the joker should have no connection whatsoever it's batman and the joker because even batman I, i'm sorry even bruce wayne he he completely separate people oh my gosh yeah i agree um I think in the comics, I don't, I'm sure Bruce Wayne and the Joker have interacted. I think Joker just sees him as like some rich boy asshole who's not going to do anything. Oh, yeah. But I was watching um, Harley Quinn, the cartoon on HBO Max, which is hilarious. Hysterical. Yes. I love, have you watched all of it? Yeah. All right. I love when Joker finds out that Batman is Bruce Wayne and he's like, this is what, like, you're a billionaire and this is what you're choosing to do with it. Yep. Like why not find some social programs, Bruce? Like just going full on. Like, I love that. My favorite scene in that entire show is um, when Joker is building, I think it's like in the first episode, he's building his base and he gets a call from like his lawyer, which the fact that Joker has a lawyer is fucking hilarious, but he gets a call. He's like, what? What do you mean I need a permit? It's abandoned amusement park at the end of a pier. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I love that Joker, like when he got sane and he like like married that like single mom. Yep. And then when he gets Joker to fight again, he's like, I want to like, I feel like I missed out on something. Like I need, I, I got to go back. Yes. <laughs> like he found love in the, in the crazy place. And even the mom was like, I don't care that you're the Joker. You're a good father. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then also in in the God. In, in Batman the animated series, um, again Joker gets a call from I believe his lawyer, and I don't remember what happens, but something with his money, and someone's like, "I'm sorry, you the Joker, you file your taxes," and the Joker's like, "Yeah, you don't fuck with the IRS." I was like, "Oh my God, it's <laughs> <That is> beautiful." <laughs> there was a crossover comic panel with Marvel where like Batman and Captain America were fighting like Joker and the Red Skull and Joker found out Red Skull was a Nazi. And he's like, you son of a bitch. Like I may be crazy, but I'm an American psychopath. You Nazi bastard. 
Oh, that's awesome. You know, I want um, with the whole Moon Knight and Dracula owing him money. I want Moon Knight, Dracula, Joker, and Red Skull all to be in the same room together just to see what happens. You know, there, there's an episode of Batman the Animated Series that had me laughing so hard because it follows a guy who cuts the Joker off in traffic. <laughs> Like this guy just driving behind some like circus car or something. He's like, he's like, he goes around. He's like, honk, honk. Like, what's wrong? Why are you going so slow? You crazy bastard. And he looks in the rear view and it's the Joker. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. He keeps trying to lose him. And Joker just smiling at him, following him the whole fucking way through Gotham City. At that point, just get out of your car, walk over to the door and just, you know, just imagine like, Joker, just super villains acting like normal people is hilarious. Just imagine in the grocery store, you bump into the Joker. Ah, fuck. I guess I'm going to die. <laughs> I feel like if you live in Gotham City, like, maybe don't go into the bank. No. <laughs> don't, don't go to the circus. <laughs> no. Stay away from these hotbeds and you'll be fine. <laughs> You know they have to have like superhero insurance in these universes. That's why Joker has a lawyer. He's making fucking bank. Yes. Joker's always in legal problems. He like <laughs> he's probably his best customer, his best client. Oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, all right. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was fun. Um so as we meet, you know, Jack, he's like, ah, Gersom betrayed me. What a shock. And at Axis Chemicals, which it always bothers because it's ace chemicals in the in the comic like why would you why do that i was gonna say that like it's it's ace chemicals acme chemicals axis it always starts with an a i've realized yeah i love how vague it is just chemicals like what what do you what do you make (laughs) chemicals and chemicals what more do you need imagine a vats of acid lying around like (laughs) (laughs) god um so jack gets like a batarang in the face or something that, that seems always been kind of vague to me like did he get like steam in his face or a batarang in his face and then he falls over the edge yeah i reround that scene a couple of times and i still don't know <laughs> and i guess the acid healed that wound because he doesn't have that going forward well oh because the plastic surgeon he said oh yeah that's right he said let's see what we have to work with and looked in the mirror and then that's when jack started to like laugh and he was like i'm sorry sir the nerves were severed which I this is the first time I've noticed that scene. I thought that he got that fucked up face because of the acid, but now it's because Batman did that, and then the plastic surgeon tried to fix him. The acid just bleached his skin, dyed his hair green, colored his lips red. Makes no sense, but you know whatever, and uh, made him crazier than he already was. I you know what? I never made that connection. That makes perfect sense to me. I so that plastic surgeon fucked up his brain. I love yes. that. <laughs> I also think it's funny that the acid did nothing to his eyes or mouth. Like his tongue's fine. His eyes are fine. Like I, that's a very specific acid. Oh, it, I mean, it bleached his skin, but turned his hair green. Doesn't make any sense. You would think it would, it would just bleach everything. You'd think that. Um, (laughs) I love that the tools that the surgeon uses are the actual props from Little Shop of Horrors that Steve Martin's dentist has. It's the same props. Oh, I did not know that. That's pretty cool. 
yeah, you can see that weird like tongue spreader thing that oh, Luke yeah, Curry yeah. tries to steal. <laughs> He's like, sorry, sir, this is what I have to work with. First of all, where are you? Who are you? You tell me the mob doesn't have an on-call doctor? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. This is Jack Napier, like Carl Grissom's number one guy. Like, you got yeah. you got nothing? <laughs> You're going to back alley surgeons? <laughs> have you seen Happy? I have not. It's based on a comic. Okay. Well, in that, the, the mob has surgeons. They, like, own a wing of a hospital, obviously on the down low. But that's where they, like, send people when they get fucked up. And I don't know. So maybe, maybe that's their on-call guy. They've got like Gordon's lieutenant on the payroll, but no doctors. You know who else they have on the payroll? Who? Costume designers. <laughs> Mechanics. <laughs> yeah, somebody had to, had to, you know, torque out these purple and green cars. Yep. Which, again, I know that we talked about it when we watched Batman Forever, but again... This Joker would do that 100%. Because again, as I was watching the movie, I always try to think of myself as uh, I, I try to think I'm smarter than I am when I watch movies. So I was trying to find a deeper meaning behind this Joker. And I think that's something I like about this Joker is I don't think he had a goal other than to be crazy. He said, I want my face on the $1 bill. He wanted recognition. Yeah. which is beautiful, which makes a scene in the museum just that much better. He literally went in there just to fuck up art. That's it. I 100% believe that this entire movie is watching this Joker, like, try things, like, find his groove. <laughs> yeah. like, is it is it art? Is it chemical poison? Yeah. Is it brand recognition? Am I a philanthropist? Am I a gangster? Exactly. What am I? <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's, it's the Joker's origin story. Literally, he's trying to figure out what he, what he does. Yeah, and before he can find it, Batman hurls him off the fucking roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Like, I, I love that he's already got a brand. He's got the Joker face on his like helicopter. Yep, exactly. <laughs> he, he looked at himself in the mirror, saw that smile, and he was like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm going with it. I wonder how many times, like, first off, before he went to kill Grisham, he had to go find a purple suit. Like, he had to go get that tailor-made. So I don't know. he was already in a purple suit when he fell in the acid. Okay, so he had to get it dry cleaned. He had to get it cleaned. <laughs> I wonder if he practiced that speech to Grisham in He's front like, of the mirror. Yeah, like Jack is dead. Jack is dead. <laughs> like just trying out different inflections. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, I'm the jester. No, 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 no. Clown man. I'm thinking of Jim Carrey like trying names when he's trying to be the riddler yep. of Batman Forever. Captain Kill. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> he was doing a uh he was probably watching the watching taxi driver and was like yeah that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna practice in front of a mirror <laughs> talking to me jack you talking to me joke <laughs> joker there we go i can work with that all right let's do this <laughs> that's, yeah but that scene where he shows up and is like you know you can, you can call me joker and as you can see i'm a little happier i was like yep. then like the orchestra comes up and he shoots Grisham. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a great reveal. Uh, yeah. Where do you want to go from there? Uh, from there? Oh, man. I don't know. Honestly, there's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of Batman in this movie. Uh, no. Then again, that's kind of par for the course for the Batman franchise. We get very little Batman in all of these mm -hmm. movies. Yeah, we do. Um, you want to talk about 
Bruce Wayne and Vicky, <laughs> Vicky Vale. Why not? Uh, first off, the fact that like she she's new in town, she already has a date with the town's reclusive billionaire. Yep, Good yep. get, Vicky. Good one. Yep. Which again, I hate Knox, but he was trying to ask you out when you first met. And then the next day he's like, hey, how about we go this day? And she's like, no, have a date with Bruce Wayne. Are you fucking kidding me? You met him yesterday. To be fair, she also met Knox yesterday. That is true. <laughs> That's fair. But Knox got there first. <laughs> I feel like if you got if you're a girl and you've got two guys interested in you who look fairly similar, very similar hair, and one oh, of yeah. them is a fucking billionaire. I mean, I don't have to flip that coin. No. And Knox is obnoxious, and I feel like he would split the bill. Yeah, yeah, he would. Yeah, he's an asshole. I hate him so much. I hate him so much. I do love the scene where um, Vicky, Knox, and Bruce meet each other. I That's like, I love that scene so much. When they're talking shit, and he's behind them, he's like, oh, it's Japanese. That's uh, such a good scene. How do you know that? The guy in Japan. Hi, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Give Knox a grant. I was like that line. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like how uh, how Vicky humbled Bruce when she first saw him. She's like, "Hey, uh, who's uh, which one of these guys is Bruce Wayne?" He's like, "Excuse me, <laughs> I'm not sure." But thanks anyway. Alfred's walking around picking up all the fucking cups. <laughs> Bruce is just sticking like corks and shit into his own plants. And Alfred's <laughs> like, gotta keep things tidy. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go to, all right. So they have the date, which is hilarious. They're on opposite ends of this giant ass table, <laughs> just drinking soup. <laughs> like, oh God. I love his, like, I don't know if I've ever been in this room, like, kind of thing. I thought yeah. that was cute. I like that, yeah. And reminds- Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, um, it was, it's like that scene in uh, Incredibles when, Mr. <laughs> when they're on the opposite ends of the table. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there was some influence there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, he must have been charming as shit to go from that awkwardness to literally sleeping with her. Like, well done, or you've got really strong champagne. Yep, exactly. Yep. I was reading into that scene where she wakes up and he's like upside down on that lumbar thing, like a bat. <laughs> and at first I'm like, oh, he's fucking crazy too. He thinks he's a bat. But no, apparently that is for his back pain because being Batman hurts your back quite a lot. So that's like helping yeah. him ease his spine. Probably. I buy that. I'm sure, yeah. I like how <laughs> That's something I like about, I think every Batman movie does that. And I think he's the only superhero movie that, the Batman movies are the only ones I've seen where, like, they hurt themselves. Like, I mean, that's not true. A lot of, superhero, a lot of superheroes hurt themselves. But, like, in um, Christopher Nolan's trilogy, like, Batman drinks that green shit, and he's, like, cleaning up his wounds, and he's like, oh, my back fucking hurts. In fact, that was, like, a huge story part in um like what was it the the dark knight rises when mm-hmm. bane breaks his back and he has to like go to physical therapy 
I do love that physical therapy was like a blind guy in a cave, literally <laughs> smacking his back back into place and then just doing some push-ups. Yep. But yeah, Batman's always been, you know, he can't fly. He's not invincible. He doesn't, he's not a god. He's not an alien. He's just a rich guy in a bat suit doing his best. And that is, I think, the only relatable thing about Batman is that he gets... He gives the shit kicked out of him. And that's also why I like Spider-Man. So Spider-Man is my all-time favorite superhero because he gets he gets shit on. But he's also he's he's still a superhero. He has superpowers. Yeah. Batman is just he's would you consider him self-taught, self-built? Because I don't really, because he he buys all he doesn't make any of his gadgets or like vehicles. He buys them. The only thing Bruce Wayne has sculpted himself is that eight pack. Everything else <laughs> is an inheritance from the Wayne fortune, yep. a very brilliant tech guy in Lucius, and a pretty damn good tailor in Alfred. So exactly. yeah, I think he's got his team. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. That's why when people say, oh, Iron Man is Marvel's Batman. No. Because Iron Man is completely self, literally self-built. You know, he built Iron Man in a cave with a box of scraps. I remember seeing a meme a, a few years ago. It was back when, uh, before uh, Disney had bought Fox and gotten everything back. It was <laughs> like, you know, Marvel built this in a cave with a box of scraps. Like they didn't have the X-Men or the Fantastic Four or Spider-Man. They did this with their D-list characters. You know, it's like, how could you not replicate this? <laughs> Brilliant. But I love my favorite. Batman's my favorite superhero because he is just a guy. Ultimately, you strip it all away. He's a very intelligent guy. And yet he still fucks up the Justice League himself. Like there's, an, there's, a, there's a comic line. They made a movie out of it called Justice League Doom, where just in case they ever went rogue, Batman has a contingency plan to take out every single member of the Justice League. Oh, and yeah. in this movie, the bad guys get a hold of it and they completely kill the Justice League, like destroy them. And wow. they all make it, but like they no longer trust Batman because he's like, you know, no, I'm not sorry. Like yeah. I did, you know, I'm Batman. What do you expect? Mm-hmm. But like that shit's awesome. So I, he's my favorite. Yeah. Um, and him and Joker's first meeting officially, I mean, you know, him and Jack met and Batman fucked him up. Yep. He and like when Joker and Batman meet, it's at the museum and Joker's kind of like, Oh my God. I think I love this man. Yes. (laughs) Which again, um, Batman and Joker's relationship is, it, it always has been something special. I don't think there is a single superhero villain combo that is this. I don't want to say intimate because it feels gross to say, but it's intimate, man. Like, I, I feel like, and I know that there's other people out there that have the same feeling, that the Joker will continue to do what he does because he wants Batman to get involved. And the Batman won't kill Joker because he wants, like, they, like they, they need each other. Yeah, it's this weird, sick, twisted, symbiotic relationship that they're yep. both aware of, but refuse to it. Well, Batman refuses to ever admit to it, but everyone knows it. And... Yeah, I I love those stories. There's certain comic stories where like Joker does convince him to give in and he like fucking kills him, but there's uh-huh. always consequences. Yep. 
like there's a story called the Batman who laughs. That is the most fucked yeah. up shit I've ever heard of. You know about that one? Oh yeah. Jesus Christ. I won't, they'll never make that movie. No, they but should. They, Wes Craven. There we uh, go. That's, oh, that would, that would have been beautiful. <laughs> Goddamn. Um, my favorite like multiversal Batman thing is in the flashpoint story where, oh, where dad. yeah, where like Bruce Wayne died and Thomas Wayne became Batman and Martha Wayne became the Joker. Yep. <laughs> like that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Oh boy. But um, yeah, I love their relationship. And this one, I think I could have used a few more scenes with Batman and Joker together. We feel like we don't get a lot of interaction between them. Yeah. I feel like most of it, it's Batman and Vicky. Yep. This is a romance movie. It's not a superhero movie. It's a, it's a, it's a cheesy 80s romance movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I buy that. I love that Joker, in order to like convince the mob, has like f- flesh paint over his makeup, over his uh, bleached skin, yeah. and he still looks fucking crazy with the big grin. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they even say, they're like, what's with the grin? He's like, it's in a good mood. Yeah. Life's like, good to me. <laughs> Yeah, life's been good. No, it hasn't, Jack. Look at you. Look where you are. <laughs> oh, boy. Going back to the relationship, they even mention it in this movie. Batman, no, because Joker says, you made me. And then Batman's like, you killed my parents. You made me. Yeah. Which, man. And then that even happens in Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. The whole... I thought of a joke. What is it? You wouldn't get it, you know, the fucking meme that it is now. But <laughs> that's that's just such a good... It's just so cool because I don't like Bruce Wayne having any involvement with... That's why I don't like it that he killed his parents. But the fact that they literally created each other and they need each other, it's just so unique. Yeah. Well, I like that, you know, Bruce Wayne should be just a mask. Like, they're, te- technically speaking, Bruce Wayne does not exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there was a comic I read where um, Superman and Batman both get like wrapped up by Wonder Woman's lasso of truth, and she asks their names, and Superman says Clark Kent, and Batman says Batman. Yeah, like oh yeah, Bruce Wayne should be a mask. You know what he wears in public, what he wears during the day to distract people from the fact that there's no way this rich prick could ever be Batman. Yep. Uh, like there's a great scene in Batman Returns when. He, uh, Max Shrek is holding the, the Max Garade ball. Yes. I love how fucking extra Max Shrek is, by the way. Yeah. And everyone there's wearing a mask except for Bruce Wayne and Selena yeah. Kyle, because that is the mask. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. I think they even did that in um they did that in the Christopher Nolan series as well. I think they did the yeah. same thing. Yeah, there's a um there's a ball in the in the Dark Knight Rises, and uh Bruce Wayne shows up without a costume because Bruce, yep. Bruce Wayne is the costume. Yeah. Which, I mean, uh, you know, Bill in Kill Bill says it. He, I mean, he's talking about Superman, but he says it. He says it the best. You know, he's like, you know, uh, Superman's secret identity. No, 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 no. Clark Kent's secret identity is Superman. Super Clark Kent is the mask. Yeah, I think that metaphor applies better to Batman personally. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I, I get what he's trying to say. I I do love Kill Bill. That's one I cannot wait to do on this show one day. No, yeah. You've never done it. We've yet to. We have never done any Tarantino on this podcast. We did. Uh, what? We did Pulp Fiction on Oscar Sunday, but that's all we've ever done. <laughs> I think um, I go back and forth again every time I see a Tarantino movie. I'm like, this one's the best. This one's the best. This one's the best. But I, I think honestly, Inglorious Bastards 
uh, is one of my favorites just because most of the movie is in another language. Well, I love that Tarantino just let these guys speak their native languages. Like if it takes place in France, they're going to speak French. If it takes place yes. in Germany, they're going to speak German. Like that's just how yep. the world works. And exactly. Yeah. Bastards is the one I, I go to as my favorite most frequently as well. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Beautiful. I don't know what it is about that scene with the, um, oh, fuck, I always forget his name. The Nazi, the, the main guy. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Yeah. Christoph Waltz. Um, yeah. The scene when they're in the restaurant. And he's talking to uh, Shoshona. It was just so intense. And they're not doing anything. It's only intense because because of the situation that they're in. I don't know. Every time I watch that scene, I think differently. I'm like, oh, he knows exactly who she is. Oh, yeah. I'll watch and I'll be like, she has he has no idea who she is. Mm -hmm. And she's going to give it away. Like, I I, I flip flop every single time. It's a different experience every time you watch the movie. The only reason I think that he doesn't know who she is is because at the end of the movie, it kind of portrays his character as a fucking idiot. Like right before he dies, he's like, he's scared. He's like, oh, fuck. All right. I guess this is it. I don't know. It kind of portrayed him as an idiot. I mean, he's good at, at, at his job, but he's not, he's not all that bright. I think it, what it was is that he was so wrapped up in the fact that he had won. He was so convinced he'd won. As far yeah. as he was concerned, it was over. Like there was nothing left to do. There's nothing like, you know, Aldo wouldn't try anything because it would mean he's, he's a dead man. But he underestimated Aldo's hatred of Nazis. Yep. <laughs> That's what it was. This man does not give a fuck what happens to his political career or his military career. He's going to scalp your ass. Uh, which, by the way, pretty sure it's a war crime. But oh, yeah, he's 100%. Oh, he's, I really want, I say this every time we watch a horror movie or a, a war movie or even a superhero movie. I want a movie either one about the background characters or two the next day, especially in horror movies, the next day, like someone is like, Oh, thank God I survived. You're covered in blood running away from a burning house. You're going to jail. That would be a great idea for a horror movie. Just the next day. Like you don't even see what happened the first time you just see the aftermath. Yes. That's brilliant. And just like the character going through, like, which has to, it has to have an impact on you. To yeah. go, that would be an interesting horror movie. I, I see it now, like all the all the previews are for you know the night before, but the movie is actually the next day. That's really that's a cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot where we were, Batman. But yeah, anyway, oh yeah, oh oh yeah, oh yeah, Batman. You know the the title of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I love the, the party man scene where he trashes the museum, which Jack yep. said that as an art art collector and art lover, that's the only thing he ever had to do as the Joker that made him uneasy. Yeah. Not all the murder, but trashing the museum. <laughs> also, there's a, there's a, um, I, I do some spray paint art myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so whenever I saw one of the Joker goons pull out a can of spray paint, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to nitpick this. Uh, when he sprays, no paint comes out of the can. <laughs> He's just in the background moving his hand. Nothing's happening. That's great. <laughs> Which the Joker goons are literally just normal dudes in bomber jackets with the Joker's like emblem on it. Well, that's kind of what Joker's goons always are. They're just like regular guys <laughs> wearing like clown makeup or a clown mask or some goofy shit. They're just here for the check. I love that Harley Quinn brings that up, that cartoon. Like, everyone's just here for the check. Like, even yep. the supervillains have, like, you know, a league of their own where they're, like, collecting members' dues and shit. Exactly. 
Oh yeah. My favorite scene is when uh, Bruce has decided that he's in love with Vicky and he's going to tell her everything. (laughs) Batman would never, ever do that. Ever. Batman has slept with more women than Bruce Wayne has. Yes. (laughs) Which, by the way, I always wonder when Batman is sleeping with a woman, he has to keep the mask on, right? Like, you know, that's a thing for them. Come on. He insists on it are you kidding like yes yeah, it's it's yeah. his whole thing yep we go to take it off he's like no no which speaking of the cow by the way um <laughs> so i watched um the last 20 minutes of, of the of of the movie this time mm-hmm. on um on one and a half speed if you haven't watched this movie on one and a half speed do it because every movement that batman makes is amplified and the fact that he can't turn his fucking head has to be the biggest obstacle ever he's a superhero that can't turn his head that's be the most annoying thing ever <laughs> i feel like, like yeah all you gotta do to kill batman is like sneak up behind him yes <laughs> like uh, in the scene he's like climbing up the clock tower um i'm I, I will say right now it is an important scene so i went back to normal speed when the Joker and him started fighting, but when he's climbing up the clock tower, every time he looks up, he has to move his whole fucking body. And it's like, dude, you got to fix your costume. How I was on a thing. How is that not a thing you thought of? I th- literally, the only Batman who can do that is Christian Bale. Cause he brings that up in the dark night. He's like, I'm too heavy. I can't move my head. Like Lucius, yeah. you got to do something about this. <laughs> could, could Ben Affleck move his head? I don't think so. I think that was a pretty like solid costume. It, it looks solid. Yeah, it was like pure metal. If the costume has no neck, Batman cannot move his head. <laughs> well, I was also looking at the trivia. Michael Keaton was like, he couldn't hear the whole time. The costume was so <laughs> cumbersome and so heavy and thick, he could not hear anything. That's fucking awesome. That's, that's great. You know, I will say um, with... Batman and his gadgets. I love the Arkham games just because um, they don't bring all of it up. But the fact that he has, in, at least in the games, he has microphones in his like helmet and everything. It's just, no, uh, it just works. I like Arkham Batman a lot. It's one of my favorite Batmans. Oh, they're fan. Those games are fantastic. It's such yeah. a great story. I never questioned once all this shit he's got in his belt. Like, yeah, all of that is just hanging off him the whole time. <laughs> the only complaint I have. Um, actually, it's not really a complaint. It's just something I find hilarious. It's every time in that game that he sprays his explosive gel, he does the fucking bat symbol. Like, why? You're, you gonna, you're about to blow- so much extra work. Yeah. <laughs> you're about to blow it up, dude. Like, come on. There's a time and place for the aesthetic. It's yes. not here, bats. So, like, what are you no. doing? <laughs> My no. favorite was in Asylum when he's going to, like, trap Croc in that, like, underground thing. And he used the explosive gel to do it. And he paints a giant fucking bat symbol. (laughs) Like time is of the essence. Poison Ivy's taken over the island. Joker has prisoners. Croc wants to kill you. It's not time for arts and crafts. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of of Joker, the Batman Joker story in the Arkham games is phenomenal. My God. Even like, you know, him being in his head in in, uh, Arkham Knight was such a cool idea to see, like, in real time, Batman turning into the Joker. Yes. I've I've replayed those games more than any, like, for the story alone. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. 
<laughs> um, so I love Bruce is like, I got, you know, I'm going to be with this woman for the rest of my life. We never see her again after the first nope. movie, by the way. <laughs> he goes through the same shit with, um, with Catwoman. Yeah, doesn't see her again either. Nope. And then it's Nicole Kidman and some lady who isn't Poison Ivy. Yes. <laughs> I don't even remember her name. I've seen watching that movie since I was a kid. I do not remember her name. I don't, I don't either. <laughs> um, so he sits Vicky down and he's like trying to figure out a way to say this. And immediately she's like, ah, God damn it, you're married. <laughs> he's like, no, yeah. no, I'm not married. Just shut up. <laughs> That's a great way to get a woman to love you. Just tell them, sit down and shut up. Yeah, he gets so aggressive. Even his face, he's like, shut up. I'm like, God damn, Bruce. <laughs> That was oh Batman God. right there. That wasn't Bruce. That was Batman telling her. Yeah, that was Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, before he can finish, Joker shows up and is like, you're cheating on me, girl. Like, he, he's got it in his head that Vicky belongs to him. Yeah. <laughs> that whole scene where Bruce puts on the, um, like, the, the st- steel thing, like the bulletproof vest, and <laughs> he breaks the vase and he just goes like, you want to get nuts? You want to get crazy? I... Love, I have that little like six second clip saved on YouTube. I go to it for like for just if I'm having a bad day, I watch Michael Keaton go, You want to get nuts? and I immediately feel better. I don't know why, but it re- I know this doesn't make any sense, but I don't know why. But him doing that reminds me so much of Gene Wilder in Willy Wonka. Whenever he's like, You get nothing, I'm like, Fuck, dude, calm down, man. I don't know, I don't know why, but it's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. I, oh my god. Good, good think, call. Yeah. Gene Wilder Joker? Maybe. Mm. 70s Gene Wilder, I can 100% see that. You throw a little little Willy Wonka, a little young Frankenstein. Yeah. You got a good Joker. That's a good call. <sighs> I like that. Uh. <laughs> you wanna you wanna talk about I mean Joker is gonna come up. I mean it's a it's a big topic now, <laughs> especially now with you know, Joaquin Phoenix and his... Okay, just, let, let me ask you, who is your favorite Joker? Oh, all right, if we're talking total media, it's Mark Hamill. Yep. But if Mark we're talking Hamill. live action, it's definitely Heath Ledger. So Mark, Mark Hamill in Arkham games or in the animated series? Oh, to me, it's the same Joker. To me, the animated... Oh, yeah. Yeah, to me, the Arkham games are just the natural continuation of the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like, yeah, I, I always thought that too, that the Arkham games is how the show finishes. Like the yeah. games is the is the finale to the series. Have you ever seen the animated movie Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker? No, I've actually haven't seen any Batman Beyond. It's it's pretty good. You don't need to watch Batman Beyond to to really get this movie. It's about the Joker and Batman's last fight, oh. and the night that Batman killed the Joker. Oh, and wow. like the repercussions of that because Joker shows up like fifty years later, younger in Gotham city to fight Batman beyond and older Bruce Wayne's like, you're not going to deal with this. This isn't your fight. You're no longer Batman. Give me the suit. I'm not letting you die. Oh shit. And Terry, the new Batman's like, what the hell happened between you two? And he goes to older Barbara Gordon, who's now the commissioner. And she tells him the story. And it's such a cool story. It's such an awesome movie. It's on HBO max. I recommend it's my favorite Joker story. It's so good. That sounds good. And it's Mark Hamill doing Joker. It's two old dudes fighting. It's what well, younger Batman fights. You find out why Joker looks younger and like what happened there. Like there's a big twist of like, oh shit, what? And it's really cool. Maybe, oh yeah, I'll, def- I'll definitely watch it. Yeah. Maybe I'll give Batman Beyond um, 
a try to just because I, I love the suit so much. It's a fun show. It's you know he's got his own enemies, but like sometimes we'll meet like you know Rachel Ghoul pops in because he's immortal. Uh, oh he fights Bane at one point. Like the older villains do pop in from time to time. It's pretty good. I'll give it a try. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think Mark Hamill found something in the Joker that nobody else did, and I think Heath Ledger captured it perfectly in live action. Yeah. Uh, it could be because I watched The Dark Knight like five hours ago. <laughs> but um, I've been in Batman mode all like for the past couple of weeks. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he was incredible. Um, yeah. For me, the Joker is, um, I, I feel like every Joker is different. I don't really like comparing them. I don't like saying one's better than the other just because when I walked out of the theater of Joker, I was like, Oh, that was the best Joker. (laughs) But then I thought about it and I was like, no, because that's, that's not Joker. Joaquin Phoenix's Joker would get smashed to pieces if he fought batman so that's not joker heath ledger i watched the movie and you know he's really good but there are other actors that have played crazy people before with the same vibe and i'm like i'm trying to decide like who is joker and then i realized that they're all different because they all look at joker differently and even uh, i'm I'm gonna get flack from this you'll probably kick me off the show uh, for this but honestly um Jared Leto's Joker, as bad as it was, I feel like made sense because he's just a gangbanger Joker. Like, I feel like if a modern fucking fuckboy decided, oh, I'm going to be Joker, that's what it would be. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Every Joker's got their fans. I get that. To me, a Joker is like, Joker has to reflect the darkest natures of the Batman he's going up against. Like, yes. You need, like, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman is all about keeping Gotham safe, you know, yep. avenging his parents, and you've got the psychopath who's trying to kill the city who also killed his parents. Yes. With, with Christian Bale's Batman, he's very much trying to, you know, establish legacy, leave Gotham in better hands than he found it, and you've got a Joker trying to tear this shit down. Very philosophical is what I, I feel like Christopher Nolan... Yeah. It's chaos versus... versus uh, order that's what the dark knight is mm-hmm. and jerry leto's joker i guess you know, pimp joker i i don't really know how he fits into anything <laughs> yeah i would have liked to have actually seen him go up against batman that might have helped yeah and then I, I i hear that like jared leto he's pissed off because he's like they cut so much content from the movie which i believe him but until we see it jared leto's joker i feel like is always going to be down in the trenches, which sucks because I like Jared Leto. I'm excited to see Morbius because Jared Leto's a great actor. So I wonder if it's his fault the Joker sucked or if it's the studio's fault the Joker sucked. Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, I don't know who to blame for Suicide Squad. I'm, I blame Warner Brothers because I know David Ayer is a competent filmmaker and I know he did better than that. Yeah. Uh, and then Joaquin's just kind of sitting over here in this weird bubble where he's like this independent production that doesn't really have any connection to DC comics beyond the characters. Yeah. So he, I can't really judge his performance without seeing like what his version of Batman would look like. So yeah. I always, I always thought that Joaquin's Phoenix, his Joker was um, again, I know I haven't seen the com the com I haven't read the comics, but I, I feel like Joaquin's Joker is, the origin of joker like the person that started this whole movement and people have been like holy fuck i want to be like that guy and then they sort of copy 
Okay. So he's like, he's a blueprint for somebody who's going to be inspired by that and become the Joker. Yeah. Like a symbol. I could buy that. That makes that, that's a perfect dark reflection of Batman, who's also yep. viewed as a symbol, a suit anybody can wear if they believe in it. That's, per- exactly. that's great. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then Robert Pattinson, everyone I know is saying it because I'm saying the same. I'm saying, I'm saying the same thing for Robert Pattinson. Pat, oh my God. Robert Pattinson's Joker. Uh, they better do Willem Dafoe because that would be just perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's, they already have amazing chemistry after the lighthouse. Like that just makes sense. And Dafoe recently said that he has been thinking about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Even because, um, I know that they like they like each other, like they got along well during the lighthouse. But I also know that they've said that they were like at some points they hated each other. And I want them to work together again in a very stressful environment because I feel like I feel like this Batman movie is going to be maybe not the darkest, but definitely the grittiest, like noir Batman movie. And I want to see this Joker and I want to see them like collide. And hate each other again, just like they did in, in the lighthouse. And the Green Goblin is already fucking the Joker. So like they're the same person, but one's in a green costume and the other one is in a purple costume. Like they're the yeah. same person. Well, I, I know that Defoe was on the short list in the 80s. Like he was he was very close to getting to napping the role in this movie. Oh wow. So he's been in productions like radar for the Joker for a very long time. So mm-hmm. maybe it's time. Like, get, you know, I've seen mock-ups of him in, like, you know, purple suit and white makeup. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, the dude's face is, like, made for this. He, like, oh, this yeah. is the role of a lifetime. For sure. I, I even thought about Jack Nicholson. His face, they didn't need to put that prosthetic on him in this movie. Just let Jack Nicholson be Jack Nicholson. Just that scene in The Shining when he's like, give me the bat. I'm like, holy fuck, that's the Joker. <laughs> right there. <laughs> give him yeah. the bat. Fuck. <laughs> give him the batman oh yep as we've seen in 89's batman he is still trying to get that bat yep <laughs> i love the whole uh smilex commercial where he's like you know i get a grin again and again Dude, it's creepy like i was like fuck i'm uncomfortable watching this i love that later on in tim burton's charlie and the chocolate factory the toothpaste that it, charlie's dad is bottling is called Smilex Toothpaste. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, that's neat. I love the, the whole idea of like cross-pollinating uh, like beauty products and turning them into poisons is so Joker. And he, <laughs> yeah, well, he's like, you know, where, I know you're asking, where can you find all these fine products? That's the gag. Chances are you bought them already. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Oh, and I also love how the news reporter, like, after they realize that, like, all makeup is basically a death sentence, everyone looks like complete shit. They don't even look like normal people. They look like crackheads. They look <laughs> awful after. Yeah, I thought that was a good touch. <laughs> uh, okay, so when Joker told Batman, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight, which mm. I love, he put it together that Joker's the guy who shot his parents. Okay. And that other guy, who I bet was Bob. Yeah, I guess so. I love Bob. Oh my God, this scene. Oh, when the Joker goes up to Bob, he's like, "Remember, Bob, you are my number one guy." And Bob goes, 
sure thing, boss, and puts the fucking sunglasses on and walks away. I was like, fuck, I need the 80s back, man. That, that whole, was so fucking lame. That whole bit was improvised by Jack. Are you serious? Yeah, he was he was mocking Jack Palance for doing it to him earlier. Because he figured <laughs> that would be in character for Joker. And Bob was just like, he wasn't in the script. The guy who plays Bob is a friend of Jack Nicholson's who Jack said, I'm not doing the movie unless my buddy gets to be in it too. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> and they made him Bob. <laughs> I like to believe that uh, Jack Nicholson didn't tell anyone. And Bob was just there. And they're like, wait, who the fuck is this guy? Read the contract, Tim. This is my friend Tracy. He's going to be in all my scenes. <laughs> he said that just like that. And Tim Burton was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to argue with you. Yeah, this is my third movie. I'm not arguing with Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Action. Uh, really uh, quick, uh, yeah. I like how um, I, I'm going to get a little meta. Uh, after the Joker dies at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. when he's laying there and uh, that box is laughing after he's dead yeah a uh, little meta i think it's kind of symbolic because the joker might die but i mean the legacy will never die yeah you can't kill the laughter nope yeah and that's kind of a tradition in batman comics and media cartoons joker dies but are you sure yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody always comes back in white makeup and a purple suit to fuck with batman okay. it might not be the same guy but someone's gonna do it did uh is that what DC is doing now? Is it like confirmed that the Joker is different people, but it's like a group of people? They did a comic uh, a couple of years ago called Three Jokers, where it was revealed that throughout all of Batman's comic books, there have been three Jokers working in tandem. Oh wow! And it was really good. I, I read it. It was really cool. Wasn't there like a weird one-off guy who wasn't any of the Jokers? He was just a crazy dude who cut off Joker's face and stapled it to his own. I think that was Joker who cut off his own face. Oh, okay. But they, they did something like that in the Gotham show, which was a weird Batman knockoff. Yeah, I didn't really like Gotham. I, I didn't really like Gotham because, no, you can't be kid <laughs> Batman. I mean. I stuck with that for so long. I, I watched the whole thing because I, I was waiting to see, like, I better get a Batman at the end of this thing. Like, yeah. there better be some chocolate at the center of this fucking Tootsie Roll. Like, I want. <laughs> yeah. I put in the work. <laughs> and I thought the kid who played like the kind of Joker because they weren't allowed to call him Joker for whatever the fuck reason. Jonah, Jonah right? Was his name? Right? G- I think it was Jer G- Jerome. Jerome, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah and then the, the t- and then the twin brother they pulled out of their ass in season five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like okay. Sometimes I think it must be so easy to write for television. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Joker. And I, one of my favorite bits is when Batman shows up with the bat wing, takes the balloons from the festival. And then <laughs> He's like, those are my balloons. Yeah. It's like, why did he tell me they had one of those? And then he kills Bob because he's like, I need a minute alone. Like he's really hurt. <laughs> yeah. And then he pulls out his, like his pistol, which is like two feet long. <laughs> I love that. Blows up the bat wing with that shot that like makes him stumble back. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, pure Joker. <laughs> I think uh, his the Batmobile in this movie is the best Batmobile in any movie because it is because the the what's it called the Tumbler in the mm-hmm. in the Dark Knight. Yeah, it's cool, but it's not a Batmobile. It's a military vehicle that he painted black. But 
this movie, that is a Batmobile. That's that's true. I feel like Pattinson's car looks like a like a like a Dodge Charger, which is yeah. okay. I mean, it's his first couple years. <laughs> his it reminds me of the animated series Batmobile. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. I yeah I I I prefer Keaton's Batmobile. I love in Batman Returns when Penguin fucks with it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, this there's so much about this particular Batman that set a standard for like for Batman. Oh, it's yeah. so important. Without this movie, you you don't have so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those tent poles and I'm I'm glad we're able to cover it here cuz you know, this is just it's gravy. It's a good movie. I'm glad I, I'm able to be part of this episode yeah thank you absolutely man um yeah so oh another joker line i I would be remiss without mentioning after he shoots bruce wayne in vicky's apartment and just goes up to him and goes never rub another man's rhubarb (laughs) yeah that's why i love this joker because he is a joker he's literally just a psychopath having a fun time who's like i guess i'm the villain that's what happened he looked himself in the mirror and was like fuck i guess i'm the villain now Guess I'm gonna roll with it. Yeah, I'm no longer a crime boss. Like no one's taking orders from this unless I kill a few people. (laughs) Oh my god! The fact that he killed someone with a hand buzzer is fucking. Didn't just kill them, but like fucking cooked them slowly. (laughs) That looked incredibly painful. And he's laughing the whole time. He's like, he was a little hot under the collar. Like Jack, calm down. This is peace talks. You're supposed to be negotiating with the crime bosses of Gotham City here, and you just vaporized one over the course of like 40 seconds. Yeah. Yep. But that also, that idiot thinking you could just shake hands with the homicidal clown with a permanent grin and just walk away. Yep. <laughs> he even, I like how he second guessed himself. He was like, I'll tell you what, you shake my hand right now, no deal, and you walk away. And the guy's like, Yeah. And the joker's <laughs> like, Yeah. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I think Batman's uh, execution of the Joker is pretty interesting. Every, Almost every Batman villain who dies in the movies dies from falling off of something. Yep. I, find I, I thought the same thing. It's like Batman's way to like wash his hands of it. It's like, I didn't kill him. Gravity killed him. Exactly. That's how they killed the, the Joker in the Dark Knight. He falls off a building. Yep. That's how they would have ca- killed him, but then Batman caught him because he's like, you're not winning this one, Joker. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, I haven't seen in a long time. That's all right. I know, like, Batman Returns, Penguin falls off the, the zoo thing into the water. Oh, yeah. Batman Forever, Two-Face gets knocked off the ledge with the fucking coins. No, yeah. Like, nobody dies in Batman and Robin because it was for kids, I guess. Do you think Batman, Batman and Robin was made... As a parody, that and Batman Forever. Do you think they were like, all right, let's roll with it? Batman Forever, I I don't think so. I think that it just happened. But Batman mm-hmm. and Robin, I think they're like, you know what? We're already, you know, yeah. we're already halfway through this shit sandwich. Let's just finish it. They did a they did a um, an Army of Darkness situation. They're like, yeah, fuck it. How dare you compare Batman and Robin to that masterpiece? I'm sorry. I you know what? Uh, the Evil Dead trilogy is my is 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 my top is. I would say right below Hook and Treasure Planet. Oh, the Evil Dead trilogy is the most flawless horror franchise mm-hmm. ever made. There has been no weak link in the Evil Dead franchise. Even the remake's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I get chills every time I watch the remake and the girl 
um she's like they're going to get in here and kill all of us i'm like oh dude i get chills every time dude for me it's the scene where mia gets the uh like the, the car lands on her hand and she has to fucking yes. pull her oh. fucking hand off oh, shit <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good one yeah. i like that movie uh so yeah batman managed to get a bat grappler thing around joker's leg he falls off the the, uh, the rope, lands hard on the pavement. No blood at all. Like, nope. F- full impact right into the ground, which I find kind of hilarious, like a cartoon character. <laughs> uh, still with a smile. Yeah. You got to go. Go with a smile. Exactly. Do you think he knew he was going to die? It, he looked pretty surprised. I think he figured, you know, I'm going to get out of this and, I don't know, get those balloons back. <laughs> yep. I like, I like to... Um... I think that's when he re- when uh, on top of that clock tower, mm-hmm. um, when Batman and Vicky were hanging there, and he's and he was sitting above them dancing, and then he starts laughing and he looks at the gargoyle and he's like, "What are you laughing at?" I feel like that's when he like became the Joker, and then he died right after. Well, you look at like Heath Ledger's acceptance of it, where he's like laughing all the way down. Jack yep. is screaming. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, God. I don't think he has expected that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then after that, Batman, you know, sends this strongly worded letter to the cops being like, if the forces of evil should ever rise again, like you're fucking Neo or some shit. He says, what does he say in the letter? The first uh, sentence in the letter is like, the wave of crime is over. No, it's fucking not. It was happening before the Joker was Joker. Look where you live. Who the fuck would live in Gotham City? It is the worst place to live. I agree with that entirely. I mean, I'm sure property values fucking suck. And also, yeah. you know, you could get murdered any second, no matter what you do. I know. Yeah. Nobody ever does anything about it because these nope. assholes are back on the street in like a day and a half. Uh, but I love ba- the arrogance of Batman to be like, I have wiped crime from Gotham City. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've done it. That's it. Until next week, when a man that looks like a penguin fucks it all up again. You did nothing about Carl Grisham for so long. Nope. But one dude turned into a clown, and suddenly it's your highest priority. Oh, no, no. A dude turned into a clown and tried to take his girlfriend. That's when he got involved. <laughs> that's that's true. He was just kind of walking around like, eh, this will sort itself out. Yeah. And then Vicky he was like, <laughs> he's like, who is this guy? I'm a little interested. Ah, oh, fuck. He took my one night stand. That's it. I'm going to get him. I love when Bob's like when Jack sees her picture and he's like, who is this? And Bob's like, she's dating some guy named Wayne. He's like, she's about to trade up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had that confidence. Yeah. And then I, I always think it's uh, it's it's um, it's an overdone trope when like uh, there's a villain trying who wants a girl and then to distract the villain the girl's always like oh you're right Ooh. and i like how jack nicholson was like oh fuck it worked like for a second he was like are you kidding me he's like do you see who i am there is this incredulity in his face of like holy shit <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah even in even i i think i think the worst example of this is in aladdin even jafar was like bitch no but Joker was like, oh, fuck, really? It's that moment of like, you know, Eureka. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's like, Batman just walks up to her without a bat voice and she's like, you ever dance with the devil in the family? <laughs> yes. 
Like he's <laughs> given up entirely. Like this is Bruce Wayne taking down Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's great shit. Uh, so it ends with the bat signal going to the cops and this idea that, you know, Batman will always be out there yep. to declare the city crime free every time he stops one bad guy. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I love how the bat symbol um, is perfectly projected into the night sky. That's been something seen... that's bugged me in a lot of the Batman movies. Yep. Like, at least in the Nolan trilogy, it was like, it could have been a bat. Like, it, it, it doesn't even look that much like a bat. I like to think like a, I don't know, like some club is like grand opening and they use the fucking searchlights and Batman's like, oh, fuck, where do I go? Or better yet, it completely obscures the bat signal and he had no idea there was going to be like houses on fire or some shit's going on. He didn't even oh. get the memo. Yep. <laughs> I also, also if how- Batman returns, he's got the like signal amplifiers on his mansion. Like nobody's going to see <laughs> yes. that shit. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I was also going to point out, I like how when Batman is in the car with Vicky, and obviously she's starting to catch on that Batman is Bruce Wayne, which, by the way, the fact that no one has caught on, bullshit. Everyone in Gotham knows who Batman is. <laughs> but when they're driving, they're going in the direction of his mansion. And she's like, where are we going? And they end up in a cave? Are you kidding me? You're right then. I'd be like, oh, see, Bruce Wayne. Got it. Cool, cool. <laughs> I'd be like, you kind of sound like this dude I've been banging. Yes. How do they not make the connection? Like you people, you know, if somebody you know walks up to you with a mask and talks to you, I hope you recognize who they are. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's. I thought it was really funny, just because it's so unnecessary. When, like, they're they're chased, they're being uh, chased by the Joker after the museum, and Vicky has to get on his grappler and flies up into the sky. And then, like, later on, he's like, you gave me the wrong weight. You're a little heavier than that. Like, yeah, like, you didn't need to say that. <laughs> She's already freaked out. Why are you fucking with her morale? You know, it's funny is uh, when he said, when, when they were hanging there, and he's like, you see the thing on my, on, on, on my belt? You know why he said that? What? Because he couldn't look down. <laughs> he had to make sure she saw it. Because he couldn't grab it for her. She had to grab it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm glad. I wonder if he was like, like really conscious of where he put that. He's like, all right, it's on the left. <laughs> it's got to be. All right, remember that it's on the left. Yeah, because he doesn't tell her where it is. He's like, please, please, please. You see the thing on my belt? My belt. There you go. <laughs> oh, he also did, he just said hold on. He didn't tell her like you are gonna like soar into the sky. So you better hold on to that thing for dear life because I can't save you. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh boy. All right. Uh <laughs> I think we covered pretty much every scene of this movie. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, here are some film gasm facts for Batman. Number one, Robin Williams was offered the role of Joker when Jack Nicholson initially hesitated. He would have been amazing. Yeah, I feel like he would. I don't feel I don't think he would have been a good Joker in any other Batman movie other than this one. I agree. And so did he. He had accepted the role. When producers approached Nicholson again and told him that Robin Williams would take the part if he didn't, Nicholson then took the role and Williams was released from production. And he really uh, resented that he was used as bait to get Jack Nicholson. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, because of this resentment, he refused to play Riddler in Batman Forever when he was offered the role then. Uh, and he I don't also think he would have been good as Riddler. Maybe not. Yeah. Not the direction they were taking it. Yeah. 
but he also refused to be involved in any Warner Brothers production until the studio apologized for that. Holy shit. Yeah. I want to have clout where I get to make studios apologize for slighting me. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole, um, I don't know if they apologize, but the whole um, Disney and Scarlett Johansson thing. Mm. Yeah. Did they yeah. apologize to her? They worked or- it out. Whatever it was, the beef got settled. Uh, so I think yeah, it's going to be, they're going to be fine. I didn't feel that bad. I don't feel bad for anybody who's like making 30, 40 million dollars. Number two, I already talked a bit about this. Jack Nicholson received a percentage of the gross on the film due to its massive box office intake. It took around 60 million dollars home, equivalent of 100 million dollars today. As of 2003, it was still the single movie record for an actor's salary. That was the most any one man had made on a movie up to that point. I bet it's been passed. I couldn't tell you who it's been passed. I have a feeling Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I was just about to say, I would imagine it would be Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans, one of the two. Well, I know RDJ was probably taking percentage points on those Avengers movies, which was smart. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, in a 2020 interview, Michael Keaton revealed he was really nervous and self-conscious about working with Jack Nicholson because he's so strong on film and had so much power. Uh, it ended up being great because Nicholson made everybody feel really, really relaxed, and they ended up becoming close friends. Which, again, Which, furthers my point. Jack Nicholson is a psychopath. Yeah, he's or, like, I'm no, playing the Joker, and he's like, everybody relax. I'm just here to have fun. <laughs> he's like, he's like, everybody relax. Everything's okay. All right, everybody. <laughs> I made $60 million off this weird little movie. There's not going to be any such thing as a bad day from here on out for Jack. <laughs> like, yeah, I, to me. <laughs> he's fucking crazy. I was just like, you, you're supposed to be my enemy, Mike, but why don't we be friends instead? It'll help our characters. <laughs> I'd be terrified to talk to this guy. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Let alone be in a movie with him. Um, so there was one true sequel, 1992's Batman Returns, which we covered on the show way back in episode 115. Uh, at the time, it was our longest show. We went about two hours and 40 minutes on that thing. Oh, damn. We love it so much. We were just like, we couldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> um, Michael Keaton returns as Batman, who goes up against a psychotic sewer mutant called the Penguin, played by Danny DeVito, and the vengeful but seductive Catwoman, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. It's a fantastic Batman movie, and it's the personal favorite Christmas movie of podcast co-founder Austin Johnson, who did that episode with me. Check it out. We had a blast. Uh, yeah, Batman Returns is fucking awesome. If you want to hear our thoughts on that, check out episode 115. Do you like this one more, or do you like Batman Returns more? You know, I think this one. Yeah. I love Batman Returns. You know, I'll, Christopher Walken's my one of my favorite actors of all time. The fact that he's there just being like a, you know, malicious businessman. Is, He's being Christopher Walken. Yeah. Like, wow. Why? What are you doing? Fucking with my power plant plans, <laughs> Selena. Yeah. Like, I, I, I buy it. You're a penguin man. I'm going to make you the mayor. Like, okay. Also, uh, I don't know what it is. Um, but as, as cringy as she is in this movie, I love Catwoman in this movie. Just because she is a crazy cat lady turned into a, I don't know. She's, she's not even a vigilante. She's not even an anti-hero. She's just there. <laughs> That's true. Like she's, she's not a villain. She's not a hero. She's not a Deadpool type character. She's just Catwoman. She's just being a cat and happening to like cross paths with Penguin. And like the only reason she wants Batman dead is because he won't 
keep letting her do cat stuff. Yep. <laughs> I think it's odd that Tim Burton like ignored the source material and just went with like the literal penguin and Catwoman. Like, yes. <laughs> penguin in the comics is like a short cockney gangster. He's not a mutant fish man. <laughs> so it's it's a good performance, but it's a weird direction for the character. It fits the vibe though. It definitely does. It does. It really does. Part of me wants to believe that Tim Burton uh, didn't read anything before making this movie, like at all. He was like, what's his name? Penguin? I got it. It's like, no, Tim, you really should read some of the source material. He's like, no, no, I got it. Well, he apparently doesn't read either any comic books because he's dyslexic and he didn't like like the way it read. So he just didn't read any comic books. Is he really dyslexic? Yeah. This might be an ignorant thing to, to say, but how does he write because he he's written poem he wrote no did he write yeah he wrote the night before christmas how does he write can he still write when you're dyslexic i don't know maybe i don't know how that works i've never i've, I've never been dyslexic i've never known anybody who was so I, I i couldn't tell you but i'd like to know that yeah. um yeah batman returns is fun uh after that Burton declined to return for a third film after the producers wanted to go in a more campy direction because batman returns didn't sell enough toys uh, what yeah they're like this isn't really for kids and burton's like no shit <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fat horny penguin man didn't sell enough kid toys like no no way mm-hmm. uh, so they decided like we want to be more like the show and burton was like i don't like that and they're like well we don't like you fuck off we'll get somebody else yep. uh so when burton left michael keaton left and when he left everyone else they had planned to be in Batman forever also left. They started from scratch. Burton got a producer credit and they just, we all know what happened. Keaton was replaced by Val Kilmer. The film became Batman forever. I cannot believe I mixed up Val Kilmer and Michael Keaton. <laughs> it happens. And you certainly redeemed yourself afterwards. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so more about Batman Forever on Friday, where Caleb and I will be discussing that film on our other, other, other podcast, Beyond the Bat. Uh, I, ha- I have a lot I have to do per week. Uh, 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 <laughs> Life's been good to you. I've had a permanent grin on my face for three years. Uh, I give Batman a nine. It's such a fun movie. It's one I grew up with. I still think it holds up thanks to the atmosphere, the production design, the gorgeous score, and of course the epic performances. Uh, yeah, I give I give it a nine for the exact same reason, just because everything goes so well together, and it, it goes together so well. The vibe, just the aesthetic, everything, the music goes so well together that now, anytime I think DC, I think of this weird Burton-esque Batman. Like, yeah. yeah. For sure, yeah, you're not alone in there. This has become an important movie to a lot of Batman fans. I mean, it, you know, redeemed the character at a time when Adam West was all anybody had. I can't imagine living in a world where the only live-action Batman I've got is fucking Adam West. <laughs> At least now I've got options. Yep. <laughs> you, got, you got bad options. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can always email us at filmgasm.gmo.com or send us messages through the socials. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can always click on support this podcast. 
on your podcast provider. We appreciate all donations. And I'd very much like to thank Colton for guest hosting this episode with me. Thank you for having me. Always, always a pleasure. Uh, Next week, prepare to meet yet another new guest host who is joining the team with his debut episode, a film he chose and one we've been planning to do for a while. So that worked out great. Next week, we'll be covering the controversial 2001 creature feature Jeepers Creepers. Oh, which follows a brother and sister who are hunted by a sadistic monster who is in the midst of his ritualistic killing spree. The controversy comes from writer-director Victor Salva, who is a convicted child molester. More on that next week. Great. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have completely like refused to watch this movie, have said, like, fuck this movie because of this psycho who wrote this movie while he was serving time for child pornography. So... Yeah, hard to hard to argue with their logic, but you know, I still I believe wholeheartedly in separating the men from the work. So we're gonna see if we can do that. And I'm excited for y'all to meet uh, Christian. So, uh, yeah, new guy. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> don't miss Batman Forever on Fridays Beyond the Bad. Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins on Oscar Sunday, and Matt Reeves' The Batman on Monday Sneak Preview. Bat Week, Batcast. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, never rub another man's rhubarb. Always dance with the devil in the pale moonlight and keep watching movies. Mm-hmm.